This is from Scrola.Africa's website about 24 hours after the highly anticipated EFF national shutdown. Our report is saying it flopped dismally. Small groups of people say the report was seen singing and dancing to struggle songs, but for the most part, people didn't show any interest in the protest. Many snubbed it, opting to stay at home rather than joining. Besides businesses closing their doors in many parts of the country as precautionary measure, there was no threat to business or life as police and private security confronted anyone acting suspiciously. But listen to this. Addressing the crowd in Pretoria, the leader of the EFF, Julius Malema, said, and I quote, this was the most successful protest ever in the history of struggle in South Africa. What do we make of all of this? Welcome to ScrollerCast, Scroller Africa's weekly podcast. I'm Jeremy Maggs, and with me is political editor Zukili Majova. Zukili, so the party itself, did it achieve its aims? It raised tension in the country, security forces were mobilized, it dominated the news cycle. Surely that's a success? It was a complete flop, total, total disaster, really. Privately, they briefed, they briefed some people, briefed some reporters that this was going to be a really big one. I mean, I've seen, I've seen some EFF uh, protests, I mean, marches here uh, in the big cities. But to pull out a national one, that's difficult. And also, they don't have many prominent leaders. They've got Julius Malema. So obviously, wherever Julius is going to be, there's going to be a lot of people. To an extent, Deputy President, uh, their deputy is uh, Floyd Shivambo. But they don't have people all over, all over, all over the country. It, 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 it totally, totally failed, Jeremy. I mean, I think to, to, to their surprise as well, but there's also something that's very interesting uh, for me, Jeremy, is that we are becoming a normal society. You know, we are not very politically charged as people. Families go on with their lives, especially when they've got a long weekend. There are things to enjoy. The economy is starting to come back. You know, people are stuck in lockdown and all of that. To now expect us to leave everything that we do to go and to a pointless protest. And, and people showed you. They, moved, they continued yeah. with their lives. And that, that's important. The intention of this uh, one-day shutdown, or whatever you want to call it, was to get the president to resign. Obviously, that was never going to happen. And then to bring an end to load shedding. Uh, the EFF's Floyd Shivambu saying if they were in charge, they would bring an end to load shedding in six months. Pie in the sky. But I come back to my original point. Uh, it did dominate the news cycle. They were able to uh, get over 3,000 SANDF troops mobilized, and they certainly rammed home a message of discontent. Uh, does that not signify some degree of success? And I'm certainly not acting here as a flag waver for the EFF, but the reality was people did stand up and take notice, even if they didn't turn out? It was a very good PR stunt, mm. if, if you want to. I think to an extent they wanted to demonstrate that they are everywhere. New political parties tend to be regional, you know, and, and quite clearly they are not everywhere. 
They thought that they, they're going to show us that they are in every township at least. They are not in well, every that township. That certainly wasn't the even case. In, yeah. Even in, a, even in, in Gauteng, for instance. Big townships like Mdanzane, uh, Umlazi, in KZN, Kwamashu, Inanda, uh, even in Cape Town, Kailicha. There was nothing in Kailicha. You know, I mean, you would assume that there's a lot of anger against the DA in terms of uh, the distribution of service delivery in, in that area. People just join in, even if they are not EFF. But that, did, that didn't happen. So it, it, it really it really backfired. But in terms of PR, in terms of selling themselves, in terms of positioning themselves as, as a serious contender to the ANC, to a large extent, people are saying that they, they don't want a party that just talks. You know, they want a party that can take the ANC head on. They have presented themselves as that. But in terms of the real record, even as they continue to present themselves as an, as an opposition to the ANC or, or as an option to the ANC, once they get the votes, they tend to give them to the ANC. Is there also not the danger of the EFF now being perceived as a one-trick pony, that all they have in their armory is protest, whether it's successful or not, and a threat of violence? Uh, in a mature democracy or in a maturing democracy, surely it needs to offer a little bit more than that these days. It's so unfortunate, Jeremy, that in South Africa we are defining success of, of, of a protest, whether it's a wage strike or anything. I mean, the nurses were, were toitoing for, for a wage yes. increase. Why did it become violent? There's no need for that to be violent. They're just standing outside the hospital toitoing for a wage negotiation. It goes back to the bargaining council. They discuss it. Where's the violence coming from? But there is a sense in South Africa that if people are not doing some action, becoming violent, bending some tires, then, then we're not protesting. I mean, they had to confiscate 24,000 to 26,000 tires. So whoever has got the tires controls the revolution. Had the EFF got the tires, who knows what would have happened. The cops had the tires and that wiped out the fire. Which is exactly the point that I'm making, is that uh, they have almost two gears to their strategy, but not much more than that, or not much more than we have seen. Even in Parliament, mm. people are tired of that nonsense. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's Parliament, it's MPs. Whether you like the president or not, we want to hear how far the country is and where is it going. We want to hear those ideas. Not everybody voted for the president, but he is the president of the country now who are here. You know? So we're not interested in, gim in gimmicks and all of that. So even the nation is becoming tired of that, that talk of violence, unleashing violence and all of that, people are tired of that. We are not just tired of the violence and the protest, but we also are now living in an environment where there is a paucity of ideas anyway. When last did the ruling party have any fresh ideas as to how to tackle our myriad problems? All opposition parties seem to be recycling the same arguments, manifesto after manifesto. We spoke about that in a previous podcast. Uh, isn't that the big problem, is that uh, we need fresh blood, we need fresh thinking, we need fresh ideas, but there isn't any. That's the problem, isn't it? No, unfortunately not. We're stuck in real politics. And, 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 and it's not about getting the job done. It's still about groups, one group protecting one group's interest. You know, people are saying one of the reasons why uh, Ramaphosa was, was returned to become to be president, etc., whatever the cost were, is because there, were, there are people who are benefiting from having President Ramaphosa getting a second term. Even when he leaves, there will be people will be benefiting. There are people now who are agitating for Paul Mashatile to become uh, the next president or even to become president in the next few months and not even wait. You know, that agitation, it's, 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 it's informed by the feeding trough, uh, trough factor, the, 
You know, because if your man comes in, literally you become a millionaire. I mean, there are people who, without much background of education or any work, etc., have become millionaires overnight because it's such a huge patronage network. One of the problems we have with ESCOM and Trustnet, what kills those things is that it's a patronage network. The whole tender system, Jeremy, where you have to pay an extra when you know the price of 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 the road per kilometer you know if if if, if it's 10000 rand you pay 20000 rand why you know because part of it goes to the patronage network let's come back to the protest the shutdown or whatever we're calling it if this was some form of political foreplay by the EFF ahead of the election next year in flexing its muscles in trying to demonstrate that it has reach and influence Surely the EFF leaders, the mandarins within the party, would be looking at what happened uh, and they would be disappointed because perhaps they were, in not bringing people out, uh, surely this is a precursor of what might happen come the poll next year because the two are causally linked. You really want to get some juice out of me, Jeremy. <laughs> I do. I want to get a Look, lot of juice out of you. What, what, was, what was quite clear and quite surprising was that you had uh, members of the so-called Radical Economic Transformation, which is the group that lost the ANC uh, conference in December. They constitute about 30% of the ANC. And this was the picture yeah. that we saw of That's Carl Niehaus, who has a new political party whose name escapes me, but I know that it's very similar to the manager of the Arsenal Football Club. So you, you had Carl Niehaus, yeah, yeah. and you had uh, who else was there? Uh, Manyi, Jimmy yes, Manyi, of course, who's the spokesperson yeah. of Jacob Zuma now, and you had Jacob Zuma's daughter. Um, then you had uh, uh, Zulinzi Mavavi, who used to be from Kosatu, now sort of uh, slightly kicked out of of Kosatu, which is a part of LA ANC Alliance. Remember, Julius Malimo was also kicked out of the ANC. So you are starting to see. Those those uh, grouping together. It's the ragtag army of the disinfected. Yes, disaffected. We don't know what how that's gonna work. Yeah. Whether they are going to assist each other in terms of campaigning. Kosatu assist the ANC in terms of campaigning. What will happen with Saftu? Will they assist EFF in terms of campaigning? So those are going to be the interesting developments. But you can see some kind of cooperation. You had uh, ATM. ATM are the ones who uh, forwarded the motion in parliament. They are leading the, uh, the attempt to get the president impeached. They were there. So you had all of those groups with, with that kind of common interest. Whether that will build into, into some kind of alliance going forward, we don't know. But it looks that way. So you have a situation now where uh, the EFF would be thinking what its next move is. Back at Tainhais, where the president would have been kept appraised of all of this, how would he be digesting this? Would he be relieved that uh, it's come to nothing? Or is there something there that he would need to take notice of? Because there was a warning issued by the EFP president, Julius Malema, who said, essentially, wait and see. Yeah, we're coming for you, I think were his words. That's the funny yeah. part and quite interesting a bit because they are not saying that they they want the ANC out. You know, with all this effort, they're not saying we want the ANC out of government. 
they are saying we want the president out of government so that we can, we, we, we can uh, begin to fix this country. And I'm thinking, but if the president goes, someone else comes in, which means you are comfortable with the next person who might come in if you take our president by hook or crook. You know? And again, it then begins to speak to what is now out there that the deputy president, uh, Paul Mashatile, is very close to, to Julius Malema. They are seen to be some kind of an alliance. Now you've got RET forces, of which Mashatile now is seen as, as leading the RET forces since uh, uh, Zulimki is lost and all of that. A number of provinces that supported that now support Paul Mashatile. Now you see the forces joining with Julius Malema and all of that. And you begin to make all sorts of analysis, which is really not even not far from the truth. It's not far-fetched. You know, there is a, a, a determination to even for Paul to become deputy president. There was a lot of push from different quarters. And who says it's over? It might not be over. So how does this play out between Malema and Mashatili in coming months? Look, we are heading to coalitions. We are heading to a different type of future in South Africa, where the ANC is going to have to cooperate with certain groups and all of that. You know, there have been speculation that Malema is very happy to work in future with an ANC that is led by Paul Mashatile. Now, this is going to come to a crux because we are clearly going to have coalitions. Now, will the EFF have a coalition with, 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 with the Cyril uh, Ramaphosa government? That's a difficult one. Because right now, as much as they're standing in the street, swearing at him, wanting him to, 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 to go out, they are in a coalition in, in, in Johannesburg, Ekuruleni and Tswane with the ANC. And yet, again, they're splitting the ANC mm. itself from the leader, sort of isolating the leader. And people like Fikile uh, Mbalula, who was up all the way to 3 a.m., as one man in social media defending the president, and I, I was not seeing a lot of people. I did not even see NEC members. I didn't see ministers defending, defending the president. And, and for me, that said a lot. I want to reference uh, load shedding. I want to reference Human Rights Day. But one more aspect of the shutdown, which I think is worth reflecting on, is the very robust approach by the security forces. They seem to have done a whole lot better than during the KZN looting and rioting. It would seem to me that there was better organizational footing this time around uh, compared to previous years. Perhaps a lesson has been learnt. I don't know. Thankfully, it's always it's always better to be over-prepared than under-prepared or not being prepared at all. Obviously, there are some concerns about how quickly we tend to roll out the army these days in South Africa. Um, a lot of people are unhappy about that. But point of the matter is we have problems with the SAPS. Normally, in a, poli in a police force, you've, you've got people who are on the front line, uh, whether they are uh, rubber stamping or uh, certifying documents, etc. Then you've got uh, public order policing. You've got detectives. Then you also have another layer of police, which is involved in riot management, etc. You know, so the army does not have to be an extension of the police. But if you look at the state of things, it means there is a certain layer of the police that you need for riot management. And let's not forget uh, the breakdown in crime intelligence as well, which we are well aware of. That one is a big problem because yeah. it has gone very political. Since, since the fight between Jacob Zuma and, and, and Tabombegi, you had spies who were loyal to this side and spies that are loyal to that side. Um, 
Many books have been written. The whole Zondo Commission has got a lot uh, uh, to outline about what, is, what has happened to our, our, our state intelligence. So there are problems there. So we're recording this podcast on Human Rights Day. Do you think that the whole notion and understanding and furtherance of human rights has been eclipsed by the political machinations that we've been talking about, as well as events such as we saw on the day of the shutdown. Where do we stand right now in the human rights debate? What should we be saying? What are we not doing? Jeremy, we're 30 years into democracy. There are people who now who are grown-ups, who have children of their own, who were born now in the new South Africa. So what would probably impress people of your age about the fact that we have a new South Africa voting rights and democracy and all of that has become, is, is very normal for some people. They were born in it already, so they are not impressed about it. You know, a promise of you'll give us water, you'll give us electricity, they are not impressed about it. You know, children falling in pit toilet, toilets in 2023, no one is going to be impressed by that. So the language of human rights, it changes totally. It changes. I mean, you've got you've got kids who are, who are in university in March, mid March to late March, still sleeping in the passages, and nothing is being done. I mean, these are these are university kids. When you've got a crime against university kids, those are people who are going to be the future taxpayers and all of that. You respond differently, and yet it, we become obsessed with dog whistle issues, like a perceived national shutdown. Ah, man. Instead of focusing on stuff which is really important. Yeah, 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 Jeremy. And I mean, I was listening uh, this morning, there are still some people who are saying, people didn't even know what this holiday is about. Some were saying, then young people are saying, no, was it people who were marching for passes or was it people who were, people get killed, what happened? People have forgotten Sharpville Day. People have forgotten Day. the massacre in Langa and all of that, you know. So also there's got to be a lot of, involvement in terms of who we are as a people, where are we going, what what do all of these things mean? Privately, Jeremy, I think there are just too many of these public holidays. I mean in no time we've got Freedom Day. Freedom Day Freedom Day, which is April twenty seventh, should really cover just about all of these things. Put them together into one and then let's celebrate them once and for all. Economies are falling. We need people to go to work. You sound like a representative from the South African Chamber of <laughs> Commerce and Industry. <laughs> uh, I know. Zakili, as we wrap this up, um, maybe let me explain to our listeners. Uh, we sit in a in a in a very comfortable lounge uh, at the home of our executive producer Toby Shapshak, uh, and it is a public holiday, um, as you've just been talking to, which you don't want to have anymore. But I have rarely seen you arrive for a podcast with a degree of concern and excitement as you did a little earlier and then announcing proudly to all of us that you've even written a story about it today <laughs> and we're talking about uh, a statement from the new minister of electricity Josien Soramakopa uh, you'll tell us that he's been on something of a power station tour but there is concern over Kusile. What have, you Jeremy, what, need, what have you written today? We need a lot of truth about, about mm. ESCOM. One of, the, one of the things that uh, South Africans are going to miss about uh, Andrew Durator is that he said one too many truths. Maybe he was not diplomatic and that probably got him kicked out. You know, but we really need to know what on earth is going on. You know? So today, the new Minister of Electricity, Jose Ramukhupa, 
has been touring uh, power stations. Uh, it's day two today. He went to Kusile and Kendall. And he found in, in Kusile that Kusile is actually uh, operating at 19%. Per, at 19%. Capacity. Let's just repeat That's that. All. 19%. 19%. And this is one of the new bills. I'm, I'm right. It's a yeah. 166 billion rand institution. It's the latest investment in our coal-fired power station. It's got six generating units. Only one is working. And worse, he says, there will be no more coming in. It's going to continue with 19% all the way to December. So we're going into winter with that 19%. Where electricity demand is going to increase, and if it's 19% at Kusili, he's on this tour already. What other truths are going to come out? What are we not being told about how serious the situation is? And what still irks me is the chairman of ESCOM saying a little earlier, this is Paul Makwana saying a little earlier, uh, we should celebrate the fact when we get to stage one, two, or three load nonsense. shedding, which is the biggest lot of nonsense I've ever heard in my entire life. Jeremy, that power station, brand new as it is, got six generating units, five are gone. And we're still talking about this 19%. Who says it might not go? I mean, it's, it's only one unit. So if, if this one goes, I mean, then we've got big problems. You know, in, and, and Ramakhopa said, look, a lot of the hope about ending load shedding has got to do with the performance of Kusile and Mudubi power stations. Those are new power stations. Over 300 billion rand has been spent in building these power stations. Obviously, there are all sorts of issues that really make you angry as a taxpayer when you hear that the contracts for boiler making with a Japanese company Itachi involved an ANC uh, chancellor house and they benefited billions into this thing. Today, we don't have electricity. I mean, it, it, it makes your blood boil. And that's a good place to leave it, with blood boiling, because a lot of people are feeling like that right now. That's our political editor, Zakili Majova. That's this week's ScrollerCast. Thanks, as always, for listening. Toby Shapshak, as we mentioned a little earlier, is our executive producer. Hans Baumgarten is our sound engineer. If you like the conversation, please rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And there is more content daily on scroller.africa. <music>